Alright, so Shamira, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, your best friend requested that I do a quick reading for you for your birth chart, so I was just able to enter all your information and calculate, you know, um, how your plan is lined at your time of birth. Now, I'm gonna go section by section just to make things a little bit easier for you to understand as well because there is a lot to take in um so keep in mind well i mean by the time you listen to this it'll probably be all done already um it might not come out as quick but i just want to be as accurate as possible so keep that in mind now what i see here well first of all let me just get into it section by section and then we'll you know explain um everything step by step all right so first things first so your sun sign is in virgo which means that um you know it's basically to explain it it's rare to find the stereotypical nitpicky exacting clean freak in modern day virgos but um you know although the sign of virgo has evolved with times there are some unmistakable traits that remain now virgo people are generally respectable they're hard-working individuals who have a love of knowledge and know-how virgo symbol um the virgin shows itself in the lives of virgos through a love of all that is natural and a certain purity of spirit that keeps virgos self-sufficient and self-contained at least on the surface Virgos are sensitive to their surroundings and they tend to embarrass easily. They are generally reticent when faced with anything or anyone new. However, once they feel comfortable, they can talk up a storm. You know, I do have a Virgo friend at work. Her and I, when we're put together, we talk so much. So, yeah, I completely see that. Many Virgo sons are not too comfortable in the limelight, as in they don't want to be in the spotlight, which, eh. I don't know if I really agree with because I feel like I mean honestly I feel like it has to depend also on your moon so subconsciously how you think um and I'll go through that in a second but your sun is you know what you shine in the most so your sun is in Virgo and your moon is really your subconscious and your emotions and how you feel on the inside and then your rising when we get to that we'll explain what your rising also is but your rising sign is actually going to be how others perceive you and how others see you so all those three things make up who you are right those are the three ingredients that make up your personality so you know i personally do not believe in horoscopes or anything of that sort because i feel like there's so much more that goes into who you are as a person and there's so many traits you'll see later on that make up who you are as a human being not only your experiences shape you your cultural background everything but also like you know your sun moon and uh your rising sign do shape you quite a bit as well um and we'll get to everything else in a second because i keep thinking about stelliums but i'll explain what that means in two seconds because i just want to get through this first part um now yes it can talk up a storm many virgo suns are not too comfortable in the limelight but i with that being said you know i feel like once they're comfortable once you hype them up a little bit they can definitely take on 
um you know like a classroom environment you know i the reason i say this is because my friend is a virgo sun and actually i pulled her into one of my classes for training at work and she took over like it was nothing and she was perfectly fine so i feel like once you get them comfortable and hype them up they get very excited and they're very good in the type of role because they love knowledge so they love learning new things as well and teaching new things too um these types are just fine living in the background as long as they feel useful and appreciated solar virgos have a strong sense of responsibility even when they've convinced themselves to be irresponsible at something or the other they still worry about it not all virgos are workaholics but when solar virgos are not involved in some kind of project there's usually a vague feeling of discontent and i do see this because again and my friend who is a virgo she gets very um not depressed i'm not gonna say depressed but she wants to feel like she's useful she wants to feel like she's appreciated she wants to feel like she's actively doing something and contributing to something and a lot of the virgos i do know they all want to feel like they're contributing to a bigger project you know um and while they don't want to be in the limelight they do like to contribute their ideas they do like to be made part of the group and you know they take they take pride in those kinds of things um but you know even when their lives are filled up with work they are restless and somewhat nervous creatures you know um just like gemini's are very busy bodies they constantly want to be doing something um so they're very restless you know virgos i don't think they sleep a lot uh virgos like gemini's i think that's why i get along with my friends so well is because her and i both are restless people um i'm not nervous per se and i don't think she's nervous per se but i think they're always on the edge always a little bit anxious um and i think that's the fear of underperforming the fear of underperforming is very strong in them um virgos want to do things well and some are exacting and thorough and those virgos who have convinced themselves to do a less than perfect job will generally always feel some sort of incompleteness um there's also an odd combination of intellectual and practical in virgos that is sometimes mistaken for coolness um in fact virgos are often self um effacing sorry i can't pronounce anything um and they're also very shy uh in general they're very timid sometimes and shy they'll mostly brush off your compliments quickly and sometimes critically but you know don't let that fool you um they need your respect and your appreciation as well and in fact the happiest virgos are usually the ones who feel appreciated and useful and you know add plenty of worthwhile projects to keep them busy and virgos can be some of the sweetest kindest people around um basically the key words that describe them are analytical intelligent reserved critical helpful and conscientious and your we're gonna get into ascendant in a second but first let me take a quick break i just need to charge my phone real quick i'll be right back so um 
um your ascendant is actually gemini your ascendant is your rising sign as i said your rising sign is how other people see you so um first before i get into that i do want to say that your sun is in the fifth house which means that you invest a lot of your pride and energy into your personal and private life um so your home and your family um and privacy are important to you and you're naturally protective of your family including your heritage and your personal life as well the only thing is um avoid being a secure foundation for yourself and the people you love try not to keep your guard up you know you do have to let it down sometimes and take risks so don't be afraid to do that now i'll get into the like square moons and trying suns and everything like that um but i want to get into your big ones first Mm, or actually you know what let me just go through them because they're not that long of sections so your square moon means that you have a an internal struggle between your needs and your wants so sometimes you can lack focus and be indecisive as a result your ability to be objective is both an asset and a liability um, simply because when you do decide on one route you're pulled in another direction at the same time something tugs at you and you begin to question your stance but what if on the other hand you know our statements you can't help but make and that might plague you sometimes so be careful with that um but on the other hand you are always aware of the opposing point of view and the other side of the coin so it's not easy so while you may be um maybe pessimistic sometimes it's also easy for you to see the other side and understand where the other side is coming from and try to see a different perspective so that's a good thing it's not necessarily always a bad thing just kind of need to be careful you know to make sure you know you your ability to be objective is not like uh, is not like confusing you or i think confusing is the wrong word but you know it's like an asset to be objective and it's also a liability you know sometimes you need to just go with the flow and be more spontaneous and be more subjective but you know at the same time being objective allows you to see things logically and view things from different perspectives at both times sometimes you may be pessimistic but there is times where you're going to be uh, more optimistic you know and see the brighter side of things so that's a very good aspect of you to have um your square sun in your moon in the moon um that's what that means i'll get into the shapes a little more afterwards now your trine sun is in saturn so it's easy and natural for you to accept responsibilities to lead um, a rather ordered life and to apply caution in your financial and business dealings you rarely jump to conclusions or take uneducated risks um, you have a certain amount of patience and enough self-discipline to slowly but surely achieve what you set out to do although somewhat undemonstrative um, you are generally loyal and responsible people to those you care about um, and you take time in most endeavors and generally use a step-by-step -step approach to most projects but you steadily reach your goals as well 
you are naturally trustworthy and you don't have much patience for those who don't show respect for others who take foolish risks and who lead disorganized lives Alrighty, so that's that now your square sun is uh also in your ascendant so that means you may face conflicts in life due to a projection of character that does not match what is on the inside misrepresentation of the self can be frequent she must strive to understand how others perceive her and work on presenting a more accurate persona to the world or she'll rub people the wrong way or feel unrecognized and misunderstood all right which makes sense because your ascendant is gemini so if your if your son is your square son is also in gemini then um it makes sense that you know sometimes you tend to leave a double life and you may face conflicts you know based on that um sometimes you can misrepresent yourself as well so try to understand how others perceive you and work on presenting a more accurate persona to people around you so who you present yourself as may not really be um i guess uh like who you are per se or how you feel on the inside per se but we'll get to that in a second because the next sign is your moon sign um now your moon sign represents the emotional responses unconscious predestination and self-image so this is how you see yourself okay it's not how others see you it's how you see yourself um people say that gemini's lead a double life people say gemini's are two-faced or whatever i don't think that's the case i'm a gemini myself and i think the most accurate description of me is that i'm adaptable i see where people think that we are two-faced but i think i would best describe gemini's as being very adaptable very flexible and able to i guess fit in in any environment that you put them and that's not even a bad thing now your moon is in gemini so lunar gemini's are usually pleasant witty and charming people as are solar gemini's um solar gemini's are very witty very charming um generally just like the life of the party basically at home and with family um however they can be moody and irritable at times yeah sounds like me um people with moon and gemini are always interesting people they have a finger in every pie are curious to a fault and are generally well informed nervousness and worry are common traits with this lunar position um sometimes an underlying restlessness is common and many lunar gemini's need more stimulation than others they usually read a lot talk a lot and think a lot with this airy mutable position of the moon their homes are often a perpetual work in progress they generally dislike housework but are big on a home improvement or reorganizing their homes in little and sometimes big ways seem to keep them happy as lunar gemini's are easily bored by both routine and constancy often this is a reflection of their inner world the grass is always greener applies here for sure um and inwardly lunar gemini's are often unsettled moon and gemini parents are generally more adept at handling the intellectual needs of their children than emotional ones as well 
others complicated emotions in general can be difficult for lunar gemini's to handle um, in their families lunar gemini's often take on the role of organizing get-togethers they are at their best when they have plenty of things to do beyond routine Moon and Gemini people almost always have a way with words. They are clever and witty and more often than not can be found chatting with others. They are sociable and friendly and feel comfortable in crowds. Some pay too much attention to what everyone else is doing though and lose touch with what they really want to do. Generally, Lunar Geminis have a million and one projects going. And I'll say this, it's not just Lunar Geminis, it's also... Um, Gemini suns in general are this way. They are impressionable folks and their imagination is also boundless. Uh, their openness to new ideas is admirable, although decisiveness and persistence take a blow as a result. Still though, versatility and adaptability are some of the stronger traits of this position of the moon. Uh, when irritable, they can easily become snappy. Their moodiness is complicated. Um, this is not the same kind of moodiness you'll find with water sign moons, for example. You know, Pisces, uh, Cancer, I think. Um, signs like that. Usually, difficult behavior stems from inner restlessness. You guys are, you know, um, Lunar Geminis, Geminis in general are very restless. But also you're paired up with Virgo. Your sun is in Virgo and Virgos are also restless. Like I think of, I don't know, for me and my friend, I feel like we have the exact same personality. So I feel like Virgos in a sense are so much like Geminis. It's just a different sign, you know? But yeah, you need to learn to rest and try to be more focused um, because you know, restlessness sometimes is good. You know, keeping busy is not a bad thing. Being active is not a bad thing. Being proactive is not bad. But you also need time to unwind. You need time to step away from your work, step away from taking on a million projects at one time, and just focus on doing one at a time and finishing that one project that you're set to do. All right? Because the thing is, Lunar Geminis want to do everything all at the same time and at the cost of like having trouble of sticking to one project so finish one and then start the other you know i know it's not in your nature i know like lunar gemini's need to have 10 million projects going on at the same time but you really need to do your best to try and focus here uh, when problems arise the first instinct of moon and gemini natives is to talk things out gemini's in general i will say this always will want to talk things out uh me myself as a gemini i find myself more at ease when i'm able to spill my guts out to somebody about what exactly happened how i'm feeling what's going on no filter all right um and at that point i feel more at peace i feel more relaxed i feel like i can actually rest and go to sleep peacefully all right otherwise i will not sleep until that problem is solved that's usually what happens it's the same with excitement for me it's the same with everything else so you need to talk things out if there is a problem that arises anywhere talk it out it will help you 
uh, their tendency to analyze can give them the appearance of emotional detachment. So what a lot of people say sometimes is that we can seem absent-minded. I don't think Geminis are absent-minded. I think that a lot of the times they're very uh, deep in their thoughts and so they're not paying attention to their surroundings as much. Um, kind of makes them appear as emotionally detached or maybe cold or you know absent-minded but they're not it's just that they're thinking um but in fact lunar gemini's may be especially comfortable talking about their feelings but feeling their own feelings doesn't come as easily um myself as a gemini can be very cold and indifferent sometimes which i'm trying to work on but you know it's not easy uh, those that don't, but those people that don't take the time out to really emote and understand their own needs may end up baffling others. Feeling misunderstood is common for Moon and Gemini natives. Um, the only real solution to that problem is learning to get in touch with your own feelings, and of course, talking, talking things, talking things out. My apologies. So basi- basically, uh, a short description. They have a sharp intellect, they may like literature, and will adapt to all situations and social groups. They'll work in contact with the public, literary occupations maybe, um, travel, but potential issues that can probably arise are lack of, fo- lack of follow-up of ideas, a lot of indecision, and they may go back on their decisions as a result. Geminis in general are very indecisive. Alright, you ask a Gemini to make a choice, they're going to give you 10 million ideas and they won't be able to stick to one. They'll go back and forth between, you know, give them two really good ideas and they'll keep going back and forth on it. The good thing about them though is that they will weigh out the pros and cons of each idea and then make a decision like that. They're almost too logical sometimes and overly analytic. But, um yeah they do definitely need to work on their decision making skills uh and decisiveness is definitely a gemini trait to say the least now your moon is actually in the first house which means that you're very sensitive you tend to fantasize maybe you're easily frightened and you're fearful you can also be shy prudent and emotional keep in mind the moon represents emotion already um so that can make you more emotional having your moon in the first house so basically to break it down your feelings are right out there for everyone to see you wear them on your sleeve and you come across as emotional and impatient or nurturing and caring or even both your first reaction is emotional especially if the moon is in close proximity Uh, within 10 degrees of the ascendant degree you need emotional stimulation movement and freedom to express yourself in order to feel happy and fulfilled your moods are very changeable and this can be quite obvious to others as well because of your emotional sensitivity you might often take things too personally and react too quickly Um, Developing an awareness that others' emotions are just as important, even if they are not as overt and immediate as yours, will be important as well. Now, your trine moon is in Venus, so you are generally amiable 
and project soft and yielding manner. You possess natural charm and you are highly imaginative and sympathetic. You can make an excellent mediator and go-between. You are keenly aware of your need for relationships and for intimacy as well. Um, you have a well-developed respect for qualities typically associated with the feminine. Uh, people appreciate you for your tender heart and friendly diplomatic disposition. You should enjoy a good measure of personal popularity and success in your life. Although generally considered lucky with relationships and with money, this is less about luck than it is about a certain level of inner peace and positive energy that attracts pleasant situations. Um, at times, you can be complacent, downright lazy, and overindulgent in the pleasures of life. However, you are a peacemaker heart and have an unusual ability to help and heal others. Um, and you're generally gracious and warm as well. Um, short description, you're gracious, sweet, and happy. You especially enjoy pleasure in entertainment um, and the arts. You need tenderness. You appreciate home life and in a comfortable safe atmosphere more than most all right now getting on to your sextile moon this is in mars so this means you're a per passionate person who loves life and although your emotions are powerful and immediate your passion is generally controlled and directed all right um you're also a sexual person who nevertheless doesn't get too carried away or controlled by your passions because your emotions are strong and you know how to channel them into constructive channels you don't easily understand such things as crimes of passion um impulsive behaviors or emotional excitability in others you're generally open accepting and natural in your sexual expression and you need an emotional connection in order to feel complete on a physical level you may have an affection and talent for sports, but other factors in the needle chart are necessary to provide the motivation and commitment as well. So the short description for that is that you're frank, honest, full of rigor and ambition. You're strong-willed and powerful at work. You're a little hard on yourself sometimes, but perhaps more on others whose capacity for action is not as great or inherent. Alrighty. Um, now your conjunction moon is in your ascendant so that means you have a good influence on the family and the family usually gives back loving and helping in return you like traveling movement and change you like contact and you're open to other people you're very sensitive observant adaptable likable and somewhat of a chameleon see because your ascendant is gemini these all make sense gemini's love adventure gemini's are in constant movement you know there are air signs right so i think of air you know like the wind consistently moving consistently changing um air is something that you can't touch it's not tangible you can feel it but you can't touch it um so gemini's are consistently moving very much like air um at the same time you're also very adaptable and likable and somewhat of a chameleon gemini's always stand out um in the crowd they're always i think they're always likable people because we talk a lot we're very social like i said we're almost like the life of the party um you won't find a gemini who's very shy we're very direct very open crazy 
sometimes um depends if you get a gemini born in may or in june but generally we're all very um friendly and social so it makes sense these are the qualities that have a bigger influence on who you are all right um getting into your mercury mercury represents communication cartesian and logical spirit mercury i think of as how you socialize with people all right so your mercury is in libra which means you're usually quite diplomatic and tactful you evaluate and weigh things endlessly often to the point of indecisiveness um you're of good judgment and you express yourself clearly as well and before coming to an opinion on a subject you listen to the opinions offered by various people and can compare them before making up your own mind uh mental affinity in your relationships is paramount so you're good at compromising and always try to put yourself in others shoes but there can be some mental laziness here and mercury for you is in house four yes it's in house four uh you have a taste for intellectual games sports that require skill and finesse and you're very curious about everything even in love and you love children Uh, you tend to use your voice whether written or spoken as a means of creative self-expression you can also be witty and humorous and engaging um and an engaging communicator which makes sense because if you know your ascendant is gemini of course you're going to be very talkative also libra is very talkative too um but libras are more like you know um peacemakers they balance everybody else out um you love playing games especially ones that employ your intellect um you're generally a fun friend as well you love tricks jokes plays on words and mimicry you might be skilled at impersonations too some of you could be clever at lying as well i mean it makes sense if you're creative naturally if you're an engaging communicator witty and humorous you might also be a good liar as well might not necessarily be a bad thing because i guess if you're trying to surprise somebody then you know you can um you might have a tendency to promise more than you can deliver sometimes or overstate your case uh in some way you are very entertaining with a spoken and or written word um communication and intellectual report is the most attractive to you when it comes to romance in some cases though this can indicate more than one lover at once curiosity can be a strong motivator for for sorry making social and romantic contact you might also take a lot of pride in your children's intellectual abilities and talents as well you would also make a good teacher as you're very curious about how people learn and can come up with many ideas that allow you to teach others creatively now your conjunction mercury is in venus which means that you do look to the bright side of life you are happy agreeable optimistic and sociable you enjoy speaking and writing and you do both with charm and artistry your intellectual pleasures are very much influenced by your feelings and you're also amorous and sensual you like beauty the arts traveling frequent changes of scenery and always aim for diplomacy and you are very charming as well air signs are all very charming though and also um 
a Libra quality is to always aim for diplomacy and to always be neutral when it comes to discussions and debates, right? So uh, Libras generally love debating, but they also will listen to both sides before they make a decision. They're very rational and very logical as well. They will actually... um, you know, logically interpret which side is is the correct side. Uh, they won't just take sides that easily. It's not easy for them to take a side. They have to literally sit there and weigh out the pros and cons. So they're very analytical too. Um, your square Mercury is in your Lilith, which means that you can be provocative in speech and communications. And often you challenge and contradict and see the flaws of a situation, which makes sense because Libras, again, always aim for diplomacy and they want to weigh things out and, uh, you know, be neutral on everything. So you do always try to see the challenges and the contradictory aspects of everything. And not only that, but you do also see the flaws of each situation or the flaws it could present. Um, This might be also somebody who holds back their sensuality. Alright, and I don't think I read your trine Mercury, which is in Uranus. Now, this means that you're uh, precipicous and ingenious as well. And you tend to bind intelligence and originality together with genius. You like literature, especially maybe fiction. You're spontaneous in your friendships, and you know how to turn situations around positively as well. Alright, your Venus is also in Libra, which Venus represents an interest in emotions and values, exchange and sharing with others. Um, Venus and Libra people will try to impress you with their kindness, even-handedness, and willingness to make your relationship work. They have a polished manner in love, which sometimes make them appear insincere or superficial. They're gentle lovers who hate to be offended. They're threatened by bad manners and direct or abrasive expression of feelings. They not only prefer to choose the middle road, um, but they seek the middle ground in their relationships. Libras are all about the middle ground. They need, like I said, they need to see both sides of the story. Libras are not going to be the people making a decision of sides um, or taking sides without knowing all um, all viewpoints, without knowing every side of the story. Alright, um, so basically, um, you can expect to be treated fairly and you may be turned on by Venus and Libra's willingness to concede and adjust their lives to fully accommodate you. Venus and Libra natives have idealized images of their relationships, even to the point where their relationship becomes bigger than life, taking on a life of its own as well. Um, They can become quietly resentful if they feel they are being taken advantage of too, and they make it easy for more aggressive types to bully them around as well. Um, Air signs in general, like, they're easy to take advantage of sometimes i feel like Um, pleasing venus and libra involves treating them kindly and fairly they love to share everything with you so just make sure you let them do so 
Foreplay for them can be mental. They love to communicate with you about the relationship. Sharing turns them on and tactless or uncouth behavior is a turnoff. Although they seem to put up with a lot, be fair with them. Over time, imbalance in the relationship is sure to make them unhappy. And when it comes to this, they may try to even uh, the score in subtle roundabout ways. Don't let it come to that though. And you will be rewarded with a lover who puts themselves in your shoes and treats you exactly how they would like to be treated. Alright, so Venus is in house four for you as well. Um, meaning you want to succeed more than almost anything in the love life. Um, you meet you meet pleasant people and you have very good friends, usually without too much conflict. You like amusements, uh, parties, things like that. You may have ch- many children or love affairs. Whether now or later on doesn't matter. The fact that you like kids means, I mean, just shows that you may have a lot of them later on. Or maybe you have a lot of partners, which is also fine, girl. Do you? I feel like with air signs, I'll just be honest right here. I feel like with air signs, we're very flirty, very charming. So generally, I should not be admitting this, but I can be very flirtatious and you know i can have guys wrapped around my finger if i really wanted to if i really wanted somebody i could get them i'm not even bullshitting um it's happened it's actually happened before with the more popular guys in my school i remember when i was in high school um i had a few guys wrapped around my finger and you know like i wasn't even the best looking in high school like i kind of bloomed after college really so i feel like it was mostly my charm that got them and if they looked back then they would be like was i drunk the entire relationship but like (laughs) um no now i'm i'm cute but uh no definitely we can be very charming and we can have a lot of people wrapped around our fingers as air signs i think air signs generally are like that very charming people very flirtatious as well very good at spitting game so you know of course they can have a lot of partners and love affairs if they really want to some of them not all of them are gonna want to though like it depends on who you are um but if you do that's perfectly fine you know live your life boo uh life is too short (laughs) but uh with that being said you know interest in love and or sex for you likely started young which again is fine we're not here to be judgmental bitches you know we all have our pleasures in life but generally air signs can be very playful sensual and amorous um and you know having your venus in house four just means that you're in love with love Uh, You thrive on romantic attention and it is easy and natural for you to always have a crush on or romantic interest. Alright, there is a romantic playful side to you that is unmistakable. It keeps you young at heart though, so that's not a bad thing. You are sensuous and enjoy indulging in the pleasures, uh, in the pleasurable senses to the fullest possible extent. You enjoy surrounding yourself with beautiful art and music, and these may play a role in your ideal date scenario. There is also a touch of the dramatic in you when it comes to love and sex. You are generally quite loyal to your partner, and you are both charming and easily charmed as well. 
It's also easy to turn your head. You are a warm, fun, and playful date. Um, your square Venus is in Lilith. There can be difficulties expressing the feelings consistently, and this can baffle some people. You can be of a brooding nature with intense moments that you know you find difficult to accept or own, which can cause disruptions in your relationship. So careful with that. Um, but your trine Venus is also in your ascendant, so that means that you like everything beautiful, the arts balance and harmony uh you're very amiable and sociable as well and you like entertainment and have a loving nature in general now we're getting into your mars and your mars represents a desire for action and physical energy so your mars is in virgo these productive and busy people are goal oriented uh practical people although they can be a little scattered sometimes simply because you're doing so many things at any time uh mars and virgo natives get things done and very well too they have a knack for handling a wide variety of tasks at once and a tendency to take on maybe too much at the same time um but most mars and virgo natives are not particularly aggressive by nature they can be a little hard-nosed and critical at times they rarely resort to pushing others around um still though an annoyed mars and virgo native can be difficult to be around as well um and if you arouse their anger and they turn into complaining over critical nags um you know you might want to run away no i'm joking um but yeah if you arouse their anger i mean of course they're going to complain and be overly critical in general though these natives don't make themselves nuisances so this stage is unlikely to last for very long it is a sensitive but uh it doesn't take much to make these people nervous generally are anxious they're always on the edge so it doesn't take a lot to make them very nervous about something um so you might want to be careful with that but Mars and Virgo people are quite protective about their system for getting things done. Although rather humble in a general life sense, they can be quite particular about their methods, how they organize and accomplish their goals, mostly with work. Theirs is a nervous energy. Um, although they have some staying power, they can be restless and are not given to sticking with the same projects for too long. These natives derive plenty of energy and life force from their things. Um, you know they do with their work hobbies and any kind of projects they take on as well an idle mars and virgo native is a sorry sight indeed they're fidgety nervous worried um maybe anxious and all these things are a sure sign that mars and virgo people have either too little to do or far too much on their plates there is a perfectionist at the heart of all people with this position of Mars. So they'll be the first to deny this, but it's actually there and you can actually see that. Um, they worry when they are not producing anything and they worry about whether what they produce will measure up. Now, an early and sometimes nervous sexuality generally characterizes people with this position of Mars as well. So in a sense, their performance in bed is similar to their work. These people want to be good at what they do. They will generally be open to experimentation, 
if only to feed their curiosity and to feel savvy. There's often a shy and humble side to Mars and Virgo in any area that involves putting themselves out there and letting go, um, especially with areas ruled by Mars. But experience and knowledge are important to these natives, and this tribe generally wins over their natural reticence. All right, um, Mars in the fifth house. <laughs> quick decisions um you may have a lot of things on your plate i want to climb the social ladder so you might have to make quick decisions uh you will succeed through phenomenal work rates uh stormy or simply active family life where your leadership or aggressiveness shows itself you can be fiercely protective of your close friends and family with mars in your solar fourth house anger may be deeply felt and possibly deeply buried too as a result it can be difficult for others to pinpoint your true motives and you can be considered a real enigma you can be passive aggressive in your approach to the outside world when younger uh, which could lead to resentments if you're not careful or confident enough to take a more direct approach to pursuing your desires and expressing your anger with time and experience as well as substantial work towards achieving a healthy balance between emotional self-control and expression you're likely to deal with frustrations in a more empowering way as well now you're often attracted to doing something even if there are problems attached now once these are soft all right so sorry about that but it just cuts me off after um i've recorded a longer session so first of all i realized i can't read roman numerals for shit ivy is technically the fourth house all right so your mars is in your solar house um let me take a moment to find myself again Uh, see that's my problem i always forget where i leave off so um Basically, you can be fiercely protective of your close family and friends with Mars in your solar fourth house. Um, Anger may be deeply felt and possibly deeply buried too. As a result, it can be difficult for others to pinpoint your true motives and you can be considered a real enigma. You can be passive aggressive in your approach to the outside world when younger Uh, which can lead to resentments if you're not careful or confident enough to take a more direct approach to pursuing your desires and expressing your anger. With time and experience though, as well as substantial work towards achieving a healthy balance between emotional self-control and expression, you're likely to deal with frustrations in a more empowering way. You're often attracted to doing something if there are problems attached as well. So once these are solved, um, she will go on to something else uh, that has complications. You like to overcome obstacles, uh, which can be tough. Um, but you're also business-minded, especially in business matters. And you can also be very stubborn and sometimes cold and calculating.
square mars is in pluto which means you have a tendency to impose your will upon others which can cause severe problems for yourself when they react in self-defense you have a hair triggered temper and may even resort to verbal or physical abuse when upset learning to react to unpleasant circumstances with your intellect rather than your emotions comes with maturity though and it's something you'll eventually learn but you do have to work on it's all too easy for you to find something negative about a situation avoid issuing ultimatums when you meet an obstacle instead find a way to convince others to work with you of their own free will um, ordinary life often seems drab and uninteresting to you and you must have something that stirs your imagination some vision or ideal or dream to motivate you generally you have a strong urge to act out your fantasies or to live your dream and you will do things that others only talk about or dream about artistic creation drama and other areas in which you can express yourself imaginatively are excellent for you as well um one other thing you don't easily tolerate a dominating attitude in others you have a healthy respect for power and authority but only if it is handled fairly um this aspect gives you some scorpionic attitude towards your lovers and it can modify the traits associated with the sign of your mars considerably in other words uh, there is a distinct positive possessive sorry and demanding streak in your sexual nature your approach to love and sex can be quite intense at times and um your sexual desire nature is a very strong one and you may even use sex as a bargaining chip in your relationships in order to achieve your goals more likely however is a there is a very focused and intense sexual nature to you this also adds a very magnetic quality to your appeal and when someone finds you attractive it can transform into a near obsession um, your aura is strong and somewhat mysterious and you tend to come across as stronger than you intend at times in fact some people are intimidated by you and you may not understand why this is so when you want something or someone you are very determined for you it can be all or nothing and when you're finished something you leave it behind you and there's no going back you want a deep soulful attachment on a sexual level you guys are very sensual but you do want some sort of um deeper attachment um and a soulful connection you don't just want something that's for that moment only um in your love life you don't always take rejection well and you fear betrayal and abandonment but um this can skew your perception of your lover you may have a highly developed uh sex drive but you may need to learn to rein your aggressiveness in this area you know actually like reading up on your chart makes me think of a very like we said before you have a very scorpionic like aspect to you scorpios are infamous for you know i guess very sexual and having a high sex drive so um i mean that kind of like surprises me but anyway um you may need to learn to rein your aggressiveness in you know the sex department so careful again with that 
power struggles and control issues may surface often in your relationships you perceive the cruel edge in people and understand its source and self-confidence develops out of self-control in your interaction with others and now we're getting into jupiter which um represents expansion and grace and your jupiter is also in gemini so while you're a virgo you actually have a lot of gemini qualities in you um i'll talk about that in two seconds again but um i know i keep saying that but i will actually talk about that in a few seconds because that does um kind of define like how you look to others or how others perceive you um i know i'm probably not using the best like wording but like yeah anyway jupiter represents expansion and grace and your jupiter is in gemini so that just means you attract the most good fortune when you use your wit and ingeniousness as well as when you're as well as when you're versatile sociable curious and put others at ease with friendliness and sincere curiosity you value the intellect and see opportunities to grow and succeed through intellectual verbal and written channels as well we're going back to the fact that like not only you're good at maybe something that is you know the arts that are spoken like maybe spoken word but you're also very good at writing probably and expressing yourself through writing whether it's music or storytelling or something like that i feel like you're very good at that um you know maybe it's poetry whatever i feel like you're very good at anything that's verbal and written um so you know honestly like if you want a way to express yourself i highly suggest maybe you start writing if you're not already or maybe you start i don't know your own podcast or something i feel like you'd be very good at that as well um and i feel like yeah i feel like you would excel at those things you also believe that intelligence and knowledge is key to solving problems which is true it is because you need to logically interpret every side of the situation before coming to a decision um jupiter is in the 12th house (laughs) so which means you're kind and uh often doing charity work as well you're protected from life's rigors to which you know you're not immune but you know how to cope you like working in peace and alone even though you are humanitarian your opposition jupiter is in pluto which means you might be tempted to manipulate or exploit to realize plans um you may be rarely satisfied with your achievements unless you're big you may be an opportunist and you're also very resourceful saturn represents contraction and effort so your saturn is also in gemini so do you see what i mean but you have a lot of gemini qualities Um, Saturn and Gemini means that you may be somewhat self-conscious or you avoid small talk. And I feel like Geminis generally do. Geminis go for the bigger picture. Like we hit with the important questions first, you know. Uh, You might find making lighthearted acquaintances superficial. That's why Geminis, I think, generally avoid small talk. But especially with Saturn, uh, especially with this position of Saturn, you just i feel like you probably find small talk very superficial and fake so you just prefer to get to the bigger picture and be be very direct with people when you do meet them um i feel like you can also possess a serious mind due to this position of saturn sometimes wishing to be more free and breezy 
you know it's funny because Geminis are very usually uh, free uh, and liberated and they say whatever is on their mind but I feel like with this position you have difficulty being as free as you would like to be um, Saturn in the 12th house means you're you like quiet and solitude above everything you are very social i can see that in all of your aspects but you also do like time alone and solitude you seek work or you can work alone without being bothered and you're too but you're too easily distracted or bothered bothered by chatting and outside noises as well so um i feel like if you i feel like you enjoy working alone because you don't want to be bothered um with all your positions so far i feel like you do want to get things done on time and i feel like you are very um goal oriented and you do want to achieve and you know follow through with what you're working towards but at the same time, you can get distracted very easily. I feel like that's why maybe you don't finish projects on time. Or you do finish them on time. But I feel like it takes you a while uh, to either get them started or to follow through with them. Um, but also could be because you're easily distracted or bothered by chatting around you or people talking to you and even outside noises i feel like as soon as you hear something you're probably like worried about what's going on over there rather than focusing on the bigger issue your trine saturn is in neptune uh, which means your plans are realized in a methodical fashion and you work hard to achieve success uh, your opposition saturn is in pluto which means you're not always open to others ideas especially if they are disorganized or free thinking just try to watch for rigid thinking and egoism as well now your uranus represents individual liberty and egoistic liberty so your uranus is in aquarius um you may get overexcited at the start of a task that interests you but again you need to learn to focus on those tasks because i feel like you do have trouble to follow through on finishing those projects that you do start off um, at times, your debonair personality can give others a banal impression as well. Uh, Uranus is in IX, which means you are interested in humanity. You are highly intellectual. Oh, I think my computer just died. One moment. Technical difficulties over here. I will be right back and get my computer charged for you. so now we are back to regularly scheduled programming <laughs> um so where was i basically i was reading your uranus being in aquarius so you may get overexcited at the start of a task that interests you at times your debonair personality can give others a banal impression your uranus is also in your i think it's 11th house it's ix which means you're interested in humanity, you're highly intellectual, you travel a lot, and your mind is always alert even when sleeping. 
during which time you often resolve the problems of the previous day. Alright? Actually, I think it might be the ninth house. Listen, I don't know how to read Roman numerals. I will email you your um, birth chart as well so you can read more into it. But yes, that's basically what your Uranus represents. Your Neptune represents transcendental liberty and non-egoistic liberty. So your Neptune is actually in Aquarius as well, um, which means generosity, especially enjoying resolving problems in order to satisfy everyone. And your Neptune is in your 8th house, which means you have a strong imagination. You're not always good with money because you gloss over details and can be a bit sloppy with your accounting. You may also have problems collecting inheritance that could encounter difficulties on a financial level through your marital partner. Most often quite creative though and imaginative sexually and you understand and accept a wide range of styles and preferences in these matters too. Uh, Pluto represents transformation, mutation, and elimination and that's in Sagittarius for you. Which means you have great aspirations, sexuality, and love are idealized here. Your house, your first house is the area of self-identity. Um, the ascendant is a symbol of how one acts in life. And it's the image of the personality as seen by others and the attitude that you have towards life in general. So your ascendant, as we said, is in Gemini. So... Those born with the Gemini rising see the world as a place to learn. They are curious about the people around them. Um, if it sounds similar to Sagittarius rising, it is. Because there are... Well, there are very important similarities, but there are also some very important differences. Now, while Sagittarius seeks to expand their mental and physical horizons in a broad sense, Gemini is mostly interested in moving about in their social circles... Um, and these are people who love to ask questions, to move around freely, and to mingle. Um, definitely, they're restless and often quick in physical expression. Uh, natives of Gemini Ascendant exude an air of impatience, even if they don't mean it. In fact, there is a cleverness to Gemini Ascendants that can intimidate some people, especially sensitive people. Um, you know, their facility with words can be a wonderful asset but sometimes gemini rising individuals identify too much of their mental agility and forget in their personal interactions and communications to nurture the people around them a certain lack of warmth in presentation can be the result and although this style is generally a facade it is not immediately apparent to most people with for example predominant water signs may feel a little ill at ease with Gemini rising people that is before they get to know them more personally um, while strong air types more fully appreciate the fun and cleverness of these individuals um, basically I have found two styles of presentation most common with Gemini rising people one style is bubbly changeable talkative and a little quirky um, you know these natives are interesting and fun they constantly explain things whether it's their own behavior and opinion or 
those of the world around them. Another distinct style is a rather cool and intellectual demeanor. These natives are often quite witty and clever, but they present themselves in a less cheerful and changeable way than the first group. Their observations are sharp, and the overall manner is a tad brusque. No matter the style, Gemini rising natives are given to analysis and making sense of their world. Their powers of observation are well developed, and they are not, they're mentally active. Um, more often than not, their minds are racing though, and they almost always have something bright or witty to say. It is easy for individuals with this position to get sidetracked um, as their curiosity is large, their minds are quick, and also their attention spans are short. Um, as children, natives born at the Gemini Ascendant are often labeled as the intellectual, inquisitive, and perhaps odd child. Many feel their upbringing um, lacked some warmth, and one-to-one relationships, Gemini rising people often seek a certain amount of personal freedom and space. They enjoy intellectual debates and exchanging ideas, and although they often demand a fair amount of freedom, they are often just as willing to give their partners room to breathe. Alright, um, so house 2 is the area of material security and values. It rules money and personal finances, alright, um, sense of self-worth and basic values, personal positions as well. Uh, cancer in house 2. Cancer is a fruitful sign to have on a money, money house. You can rely on sound insects to acquire and save money. You're very good with money. Uh, you have a very good money sense. Although financial fluctuations may be frequent in your life, you can use your keen ability to home in on what the public wants and needs and benefit financially from that. You may be a hoarder, but certainly assign a lot of sentimental meaning to your personal possessions, which is why you may have a hard time letting some of them go. Um, House 3 is the area of social and intellectual learning, and House 3 for you is in Leo, which means you have somewhat opinionated speech, you keenly are interested in education, and you are a good teacher. You're proud of your siblings and may tell countless stories about growing up. You're a very good organizer. Everything you do is carefully studied, explained, and swiftly executed. Um, House 4 for you is the area of home, family, roots, and deep emotions and sense of self-worth. So your house 4 is in Virgo, which is your solar sign, which means that you can make a good parent um you know watching over your kids spending the night in an armchair near a sick child caring for and calming them with patience and similar manner for creative children or immediate family you know how to look after your home perfectly how to iron out difficulties through your practical sense and your intelligence is the area of creative self-expression romance entertainment and children and gambling and house five for you is in libra which means you're delicate and full of good manners with a taste for luxury your friends are the same um usually refined and you will usually want to marry or partner up um house six is the area of learning by material transaction and house six for you is in Scorpio, which means you may like risky professions, health, maybe the general genital area, um, 
might be a gynecologist one day who knows uh your house seven is the area of one-to-one relationships such as marriage and partnership and of social and intellectual action as well and that's uh that's in Sagittarius sorry about that um with your seventh house in Sagittarius a union with a foreigner or a marriage abroad could possibly happen you seek happiness and intellectual companionship more than anything house eight is the area of emotional security and security of the soul and for you that's in capricorn um which means that there will be a natural death in very old age likely but that also could mean that there's inheritances involved in your future house nine which actually i just found on ix in roman numerals is nine so house nine is the area of learning that shapes the identity uh for you that's an aquarius so that means you're a professional uh you're innovative and original you like to travel communicating with different people and long research house 10 for you is the area of uh material action um the midheaven represents the work one will do in one's life the place one will take in the world of society and it becomes more important as you grow older so your midheaven which is your 10th house it's in pisces okay which means professional success in solitary professions will be the best for you maybe you want to go into being an archivist a librarian or historian either way i feel like those professions would be better for you because you do like long research um so i feel like you would do really well in those maybe even in journalism house 11 is the area for search is your search for social and intellectual security and that's an aries so that means you like to be surrounded by friends full of vigor solid uh and spirited uh you carry out everything that you usually take on because of your you know aspect in aries aries people are usually very focused and very goal oriented they will do exactly what they need to so i feel like because of that you can have the ability to carry out tasks as needed and carry out everything you take on you just may have a little trouble along the way staying focused on those projects all right so that's the area that you would need to work on now house 12 which is the last house for you is the area of education and emotion your 12th house is in taurus which means business affairs will have their highs and lows for you financial loss can be heavy if it does happen to you as well all right so that was your full chart reading now i want to get into your asteroids and check which planets were retrograding while you were born um but first we're gonna take a little quick break and i will be back Alright, so yesterday we left off in our aspects. So now we're getting into the retrogrades of the planets that you were that were happening while you were born. So the first one I noticed is Saturn retrograding in Gemini for you. Now 
Part of Saturn's job in our natal charts is to help us befriend our inner patriarch, um, an archetype we can call upon when we need authority, discipline, and no-nonsense feedback. It's also the way that you respect authority that can be um, shown through a Saturn retrograde. Now, to that end, Saturn retrograde in the natal chart can suggest that our father figure could have been absent or maybe uninvolved in a way that precluded our ability to develop self-esteem and inner security as well. Um, as an effect, Saturn retrogrades can inhibit one's abilities to create effective boundaries at work or in relationships, and there may exist a persistent need to always respond in the affirmative. We may suffer from repressed fears, feelings of inadequacy, or a nagging sense that despite our best efforts, we could have done more, better, or different. Over time, the power of Saturn retrograde in the natal chart can be harnessed towards success. That is, if we can learn to filter the inbound messages from our inner critic, of course, then we can focus on what's helpful and ignore what's unnecessarily hurtful. Sorry about the little cutoff there, but um, basically for Saturn and Gemini, mm, Saturn, Saturn feels weird being in Gemini just because it can bring, bring a lot of complications um, that consider communication, transportation, and other processes, which usually require a steady flow uninterrupted by any obstacles. Uh, the planetary combination has a tendency to bring desynchronization and nervousness from various minor disruptions in daily procedures. On the other hand, it can grant um, the chart owner the necessary patience to endure long-lasting intellectual activity and dedicate a lot of time and effort to learning. Even if this happens with difficulty, um, Saturn is considered to be a social planet along with Jupiter, its archetypal opposite force, and while the personal planets Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, and Mars directly affect the characters of each individual, social planets are giving trends that encircle the whole society. The reason is simple, because the personal planets are performing a rather quick passage through the signs, which usually lasts a couple of months maximum. Yet, the social planets will need a year or more to pass through a sign. This way, they grant similar characteristics to all the people being born during that period. More particularly, Saturn needs around two and a half years to travel through a sign of the zodiac. So, while its counterpart, Jupiter, needs a little more than a year. This blend defines a yearly generation, which is um, rather visible during the first years of a native's life. During the childhood years, the placement of Saturn determines discipline delivered to the native, while also how it is perceived. As Saturn makes a full turn around the zodiac in approximately 29 years, it needs 14 years to make an opposition to its natal placement. This is roughly when the teen years strike, bringing the first responsibilities and the need to abolish naiv naivety. 
um, you know, also slowly entering the world of the grown-up. <laughs> the joy of childhood evaporates. Uh, father time brings the first signs of wisdom, and not just knowledge, yet also the first adult problems, pressure, and turbulence. The adolescent native is now feeling demands from the world around them, which is naturally not the most desired thing for a youngster. Um, of course, all these steps are a natural process of evolution, preparing the native for the long path through life. The placement of Saturn in the signs is important, yet a lot less than this placement in the houses and their aspects to other planets, especially the personal ones. Um, each sign will give some special flavor, a background, or you know, which the person will operate and support, and sorry, on which. Um, it will operate and support the native's life of course they will indeed uh, give some special characteristics connected to the sign they are placed in some extra boost to activities and archetypes that the sign represents yet it is wrong to perceive any such placement as of high importance for the native's individual traits so you should regard it mostly as a social phenom phenomenon that develops um, certain social trends just don't forget that um, generations of, you know, two or five years difference may have Saturn in the same sign. So even in synastries between charts, uh, the Saturn of two individuals of the same generation can easily conjunct tightly or loosely one each other. All right. Um... So Saturn is generally governing constriction, stability, and seriousness. So again, it's all about authority. So both on a physical and spiritual level, they're responsible for long-term plans. While obstacles may appear on our way reaching our goals until we reach our goals, uh, we tend to call saturn the grand malefic of the celestial dome yet the planet itself does not have such a purpose indeed um it can bring delays difficulties and even disappointments on the other hand all of these can be essential steps for reaching wisdom experience and preparation for further steps on our path that might be more important um on the other hand of course um any success that we may receive with Saturn's help tends to be long-lasting, a stable platform on which we can build even more. It is not a surprise that on a physical level, Saturn is mostly connected with the human bones and teeth, the, the thickest <laughs> sorry, and toughest parts of our body. Saturn is the natural ruler of the 10th house of Capricorn, 10th house and Capricorn, sorry, which makes it strongly connected with terms such as career, public image, leadership, steady growth inside social pyramids, and reign. Saturn as a planet enjoys organization and planning ahead, so keeping up with deadlines, serious approaches, and even voluntary sacrifice of small daily things in front of the long-term goals so in case of those prerequisites are delivered they it helps with good harvest of results so what saturn does not like is childish and naive behavior rushed actions chaotic patterns and laziness so a real tactician uh, saturn will always help those who think before acting 
and to try to figure out the optimal decisions. They are logic, they are patience, um, Saturn is a clear mind, Saturn is also control. In many occasions, Saturnian interventions can be perceived by the individual as necessary evil, as, you know, Saturn's slap might hurt, but in the same time prevent us from real evil, which would come in case we would not be uh, shaken up. Alright, so that's your Saturn. Um, But in the sign of Gemini, Saturn... it can play a negative or mm, can play a negative or a positive role depends but in gemini um the planet has a tendency to struggle while placed there giving a very serious approach towards communication and somehow diminishing all joyful sides of it um information being perceived through strict logic and humor tends to be replaced by sarcasm and cynicism instead so as saturn is considered to be a cold planet intellect tends to flip towards pessimism instead of optimism and a common outcome is periods of nihilism or depression um saturn and gemini gives individuals who judge others for their words and who are very careful about the words that they choose to use themselves this placement can create grammar nazis minimalists um Dagon-like philosophers, stoic uh, skeptics, or people who prefer silence instead of words. Usually, Gemini Saturn individuals have in had an old parent or grandparent who was having difficulties considering expression and communication. The young individual was not feeling free to um, express themselves in a way that would become understood by the Saturnian elder from whom he did not see encouragement considering speech Um, as a result such a person may have developed their abilities of speech later than other kids of the same age while also be rather shy to speak during their childhood this can particularly be observed in adult charts where saturn plays a vital role through angles and houses or strongly aspects um personal planets when no personal planets are making important aspects to Saturn, we should look at the forest and not at the tree. So we are witnessing here generational currents of behaviors. We should not forget Saturn is staying in a sign for two and a half years, roughly. So this means that all the people of the Gemini Saturn generation are more or less experiencing similar difficulties considering um, the expression of their ego. This would be strongly connected to the way they perceive their parents and grandparents and even to the difficulties their parents were having during the birth of the individuals. In addition, the whole generation will in synchronous uh, synchronous ways experience um, transits of planets to their natal Saturn. Thus, especially slow-moving planets will impose similar effects on the generation which will, of course, differ for every individual depending on the house where Saturn resides and other natal aspects to it, of course. Um, But generalizing is the only way that we can describe a natal placement of a slow-moving planet and gets even more difficult as we move further from the sun towards the outer planets. Pluto, for example, can even define a whole generation of 25 years, so it'd be even absurd to try to fit one-third of the world's population into some stereotype. 
At the same time, as Gemini is the natural ruler of the third house in astrology, Saturn in Gemini could, for many individuals, give character characteristics as would give Saturn in the third house. Still, it is mostly the flavor of this aspect that would have similarities and not events of uh, pre predispositions themselves. So some general traits which Saturn Gemini gives to a generation are obstacles during transportation and communication, difficulty to adjust in situations where data change that uh, rapidly, a lot of intellectual work and duties, anxiety considering public speaking, taking words too seriously, sticking to unimportant details, and in addition such people are prone to suffer from minor complications with paperwork neighbors with a problematic character and gossiping as well all right so on the other hand many positive traits of this placement are also connected with organized intellectual work strategic thinking and long-term planning such people are very good in creating patterns that minimize the amount of data that is needed to be transferred for a cause this uh, placement is also great for business as it prompts them to see hard truths rather than positive delusions. So their pessimism usually makes them, you know, form, form worst case scenarios and be prepared for them, which in the end plays out well in any scenario that finally appears. Um, such people make good and dedicated teachers, yet at the same time, they might appear distant, strict, and cold preferring to invest their time in the quality of teaching instead of pedagogic methods. Um, natal Saturn in Gemini can make the person very interested in information connected with the past, thus leading, him, leading them to professions and interests such as history and archaeology. This placement is very good for long-lasting researchers and creating well-organized structures of information about these subjects. So databases, books, essays, and even academic researches. Their mind can create very um, stable structures of logic and organize information in proper and scientific ways. Of course, providing undoubted proof and logical arguments. Yet Saturn makes these uh, processes require a lot of time and progress of such progress of such projects, sorry, can be quite slow. Uh, with Gemini as a sign is ruling our lungs and chest. So while also the flow of information between us and our surroundings, uh, thus are also our organs that support expression. In addition, the neural system is also partly ruled by Gemini because Geminis are very logical, very rational. So it makes sense that the neural system is also partially ruled by uh, Gemini. Now, any possible difficult aspects to Saturn could have breathing problems as a direct effect. So asthma and other issues of the lungs can occur during stressful situations, while also disruption of speech patterns. If you have this placement, watch out for recurring troubles that might appear in those body areas, as Saturn tends to give repetitive chronic issues of a certain type. Now, when Saturn, uh, when Gemini Saturn is well aspected in a natal chart, the native will be in the long term success, successful in the life area that the sign of Gemini rules, and any possible obstacles will just empower his march to his goal. So, on the contrary, bad apps, uh, bad aspects to Saturn can bring complications and may even be connected to karmic debts that the native has to pay.
So Saturn is considered a planet which connects cosmic energies from the past and the future, um, and even from previous future lifetimes. So in any case, Saturnian difficulties should be perceived as lessons. Um, and the more open someone is to understand those lessons, the less they might hurt. For every Gemini, Saturn has a different function in a natal chart depending on which house it resides in, and of course depending strongly on other planetary aspects that fall upon them. Okay, so that was Gemini and Saturn. Um, you know, we can do also, let's see what your next one is first of all. So your next one is Uranus. Alright, so Uranus is in a Aquarius for you. Uh, just give me one quick moment here. Uranus in Aquarius. I'm just trying to find my information here that I have down for you. quickly getting into the uranus in aquarius personality there are a few traits that make uh aquarians so we'll just go through all of them all right so this is what's made up with um aquarians in general are unconventional all right so reading the mind of an aquarius is virtually impossible uranus and aquarius is one of the unique individuals in the zodiac they thrive on unconventional ways of thinking and coming up with solutions to complex problems while some don't understand their thought process they always reach their end goal generally um they're also rebellious which you know planet uranus symbolizes rebellious thinking new technological innovations creative ideas uh spiritual enlightenment and originality uranus and aquarius has all of this in uh in this position so aquarians are generally very rebellious so it only makes sense that part of you know what makes up one of these individuals is their rebellious nature uh their innovative thinking and their creative ideas and their originality as well speaking of originality these natives are usually innovative they excel with new ideas and machines they always find clever uses for them that no one else has thought of before and the unique vision of the world and life in general is driving is a driving force um, behind everything they usually do. Positive traits of the Uranus and Aquarius uh, native. So while some are confused by their own methods, Uranus and Aquarius knows exactly where they are going and what they are doing. The gears of their mind are constantly spinning and grinding out new problems and solutions as well. Alright, so, um, but these may be too many for society to keep up with sometimes. Um, that's often why they gravitate towards fields of study like math or science. These always offer new questions to answer as well. 
So once the Aquarius Uranus sign has their next project to tackle, they obsess over the research process and pour over all the information necessary to form a complete picture. The theories they study often have to do with greater mysteries of life. Um, they like helping to further the evolution of humanity and they like to take up social causes and get others interested too. They aim to find ways of solving a complex issue such as poverty or injustice. And their unique vision of the way reality works helps them to look at things differently than others. They always find a way through um, around tough situations as well. Negative traits of the Uranus and Aquarius individual. So sometimes Uranus and Aquarius come off as scatterbrained, and it is true they can be forgetful of minor details. Um, they don't have the time to absorb every little thing when there are so many more important things to be done. Um, so the only thing uranus and aquarius has to be careful of is really their ego because they are highly intelligent they tend to talk down to others when explaining things i don't think they intentionally do this i think it's just something that just happens but they do this not because they feel superior to them but because they're always looking to debate their thoughts so they're not trying to intentionally make you feel bad it's just they want to they want to just have a i guess meaningful discussion they are always up for debates always up for some sort of meaningful discussion where you know they can use their knowledge when they get caught up in something they aren't able to multitask this means they might you know ignore someone if they don't realize they are speaking to them this can make uranus and aquarius seem detached or aloof but in reality, they are completely focused on something else they feel is extremely important. Um, their enthusiasm, once they have found a cause worthy of their home and F of their time and effort, sorry, not their home, is unmatched. Um, they stop at nothing to advance people's knowledge of the issue and their desire to do something about it. Uranus and Aquarius, being a social being, needs others to bounce their ideas off of and to strategize the best solution to the problem their ability to um look five steps ahead into the future is immensely useful in this regard and they are ready for anything because of their ability to just go with the flow as well the best way to get through to them is to either join their cause or give them the freedom to see it through to the end uh, they will appreciate your understanding even if they don't fully comprehend what you're doing for them at that moment you know as long as they can go after what they want they will be happy and satisfied so moving along to neptune neptune and aquarius dreams of independence and freedom they may be a bit unconventional but idealistic they are loyal to their friends and their beliefs and they may appear rather eccentric, sensitive, and passionate. They usually have plenty of zeal to fuel their aspirations as well. Um, and Aquarius Neptune at their best is altruistic. So they wish to save the entire world from their ills. Um, they may be seen as dreamers or visionaries. At their worst, they tend to bring everything they touch into disgrace as well. So they may have talents in bringing people together or introducing new technology energy or a higher consciousness 
Um, Aquarius, Neptune is a natural humanitarian and they want to do all they can to help others with as much compassion and emotion as Neptune bestows. They are not cynics or skeptical either. Um, Religion is not a big deal for them, but modernization is their theme in all things. So they're very big on modernity. Now, there is a blurring of lines between science and mysticism for Neptune and Aquarius. They never lose their sense of awe, so if you try to get them to read the old, dry academic text, you will not succeed. They feel like they need to break away from the ordinary, the traditional. Boundaries are made to be broken or crossed. So, at a social level, Neptune and Aquarius can represent the weakening or actual dissolution or death of loosely affiliated groups of people like a suburban neighborhood or a group of tourists or commuters especially those traveling by air or sea it can also be an indication of some deception fraud or trickery that affects a whole community or nation and which results in a large segment of the population feeling disengaged from their society and its leaders as well Corporate bankruptcies and dubious election victories are good examples of this effect. So, more abstractly, it can stand for the undermining of lofty humanitarian ideals or new innovative schemes and of any enterprise which is founded on such ideals and schemes. Concretely, it can also represent chaotic conditions in public corporations and modern technology. Um, especially those involving the supply of electricity, the electronic communication of thoughts and ideas, um, telecommunications and computers in general, and the internet in particular, and air and sea travel. We've already seen problems with this electricity supply in California, uh, the ridiculously overinflated dot-com boom and subsequent bust, um, and the advent of you know more virulent computer issues, Continuing outbreaks of foot and mouth disease and airborne are another example. So Neptune in Aquarius is also an indicator of uh, inclement weather where both wind and water are involved. Um, For example, cyclones. Of course, with Uranus also in Aquarius, uh, we'd see sudden and catastrophic upsets in all these areas where both Uranus and Neptune are activated by transit. Note that Uranus and Neptune are often linked to revolutionary and idealistic movements or beliefs. While the pairing of Uranus and Neptune represents the elimination of waking consciousness. So most po- more positively, Neptune and Aquarius will move some people to selfless service or self-sacrifice on behalf of their fellows and those who have been victimized. So while Neptune's stay in Aquarius will be characterized by tragic events in which groups of people suffer, such events can serve to unify a community or nation by bringing about a widespread outpouring of sensitivity, compassion, and spirituality in response to that suffering. At the political level, we'll see examples of the idealization of the Aquarian principles of liberty, equality, and fraternity. Yet at the same time, um, there will be a consensus of opinion that is necessary to curtail certain rights and freedoms to the individual. Okay, so that was that. Um, Quickly, we're going to get into some of your... 
No, I accidentally clicked Neptune and Taurus. Um, no, I don't want to look at that right now. Um, I want to look at actually your, like where your asteroids and stuff are, because I feel like that's also interesting to look at. So your Chiron is in Sagittarius. We have your Ceres in Scorpio, Pallas in Libra, Juno in Aquarius, which was also in Retrograde, and Vesta in Capricorn, Fortune in Virgo, and your South Node is Capricorn. Alright, so I'm going to go one by one and check what each one of those means. First, I want to check Chiron. Chiron in Sagittarius. Um, so Chiron in Sagittarius usually is indicative of a break with traditions or spiritual teachings. It may cause pain. Life may seem like one long continuous spiritual crisis. Um, and these people may decide that atheism or fundamentalism is what is right for them. They may feel like they have no deep understanding or wisdom as well. Um, generally, these natives are... Hmm, what's the word I'm trying to find? They might not be... They might not be... Um, that spiritual like they may be non-believers of sorts um they're not that traditional either they may have a they may feel like no deep understanding or wisdom so it's common for them to feel like they are meant for glory but that something went terribly wrong maybe depending on how chiron and sagittarius are situated those with this combination may not listen to advice in those areas. For example, finances or relationships. When they are modest about their knowledge, they will be more trustworthy when giving advice. But um, Chiron and Sagittarius may also feel confined in a mundane existence. So by realizing that there is uh, wisdom in their own heart, then that's when they can begin to heal. Only that's when they can begin to heal. Alright, um, next thing I want to look at, I keep looking at my own chart by accident, next thing I want to look at is a series in Scorpio, and series is how you usually take care of yourself, so let's see what series in Scorpio has in store, okay, alright, quickly check series in Scorpio, series is how you take care of yourself, um, in and out, physically mentally everything so series is the earth mother in you and your chart the sign your series is in can give you access to feeling at home and comfortable in your own skin wealth building and financial independence healthy eating and lifestyle choices so if you're eating badly managing your money poorly or unhappy with your body series in your chart could explain why and exactly what you need to change to claim your birthright a great relationship with the physical world all right so basically going through it um series and scorpio how do you relate to your body as series and scorpio well you may have a body that processes sensation in extremes either extremely sensitive or requiring extreme experiences in order to register sensation at all 
Your body is a means for metamorpho metamorphosis and control. Modifying it through tattooing, piercing, or even bodybuilding may appeal to you. You are capable of tremendous sexual response. You may crave strong sensations like sexual arousal, where subtler sensations like non-sexual touch may leave you feeling unfulfilled. Um, how do you take physical care of yourself and others so you can be attentive to the point of consuming as a caretaker or demanding when you're a patient? Uh, you are cool-headed and focused in an emergency. Your boundaries with others may at times be too loose for their comfort. For example, you may have no problem with showering with the bathroom door and curtain open, but not everyone in your household may be as comfortable. You are unafraid to deal with the baser aspects of having a body such as disease and waste elimination. They don't scare you. Your core physical need is to feel in control of your physical self, which, you know, you make that happen. How do you need to eat and nourish yourself? You can have an enormous appetite one day and then on another day lose all interest in food. You may struggle with binging or becoming intensely uh, drawn to eat large amounts of a given food, then cutting it completely out of your diet. You may use food and eating as a way to feel safe in your body, such as controlling how much you eat or insulating yourself with extra weight as a self-protective measure. How do you handle money? Series in Scorpio. While sharing money feels intimate to you and you may stay in financially dependent relationships until they become dysfunctional, your parents may have been secretive, manipulative, and controlling about money, which left scars. During your lifetime, money can come and go in large waves, varying between extreme health and a wipeout. So money is emotional for you. Learn to invest sensibly. Your happiness bucket. Oddly, your bucket may seem small, yet it's never full and sometimes your craving for wealth is extreme. Learning to share without controlling or being controlled is the solution. Okay. So that's series in Scorpio, and I want to see what's next for you. Palace. Your palace is in Libra. So let's look up that too. Palace in Libra. Okay. Quickly, palace in Libra. Alright, so Pallas, Athena, and Libra seeks balance in their composition of life. They work best with healing energies like polarity therapy, tai chi, microbiotics, uh, macrobiotics, marital counseling, gestalt techniques, and conflict management. They are skilled in creating interior design, graphics, and fashion. They believe in justice through the use of diplomacy, meditation, and legal channels as well. They have the ability to harmonize two different polar extremes and they can easily perceive the patterns in any social situation. They find solutions to social problems and enjoy artistic tastes as well. Alright. So now we're looking at Juno in Aquarius. Um, so you're very fair and rational. 
and you are wholly bothered if others don't treat you as their peer and as an individual or if they treat you as their position or as anything less than fair and honest a partner or friend must respect your individuality as you do theirs so they should also acknowledge and respect your need to keep drama and, ego- and egoism to a minimum all right um also i do want to look into your vesta which is in capricorn so vesta in capricorn Alrighty, so Vesta in Capricorn. Alright, Vesta. So Vesta in Capricorn is devoted to history and beauty. They believe in discipline and obligations. They are organized and capable of great accomplishment. They expect others to share their commitment. And they feel responsible so they are willing to sacrifice themselves for duty and security if they can't measure up they feel terribly guilty they do not challenge authority as long as they feel the authorities are capable of handling their job they're good at planning and um, persistence as well they work from within and they can make excellent leaders but they are very self-critical capricorns in general are very self-critical i feel like that's a capricorn as somebody who has Capricorn stellium, I really need to work on uh, being less self-critical. on your birth chart you feel happy finding a specific vocation you want a calling with which you can be useful to society and also give a sense of organized purity to your environment you strive for cleanliness where you live and work and how you express your thoughts as well you're very sensitive to everything around you you realize how much negative emotions affect you whether they are your own or that of others my apologies um, because Pisces is a sign opposite to your part of fortune in Virgo, you understand compassion. Although you understand the invisible and infinite forces, you must direct your life towards um, a conscious existence and a personal control, living constantly in the here and now, which at the same time has a great transcendental sense. You must always keep busy and avoid being invaded by depressing and doubtful emotions whether yours or others purity of mind and body are important for maintaining internal clarity so you should discipline yourself and direct the negative emotions and worries of pisces towards peace and inner acceptance your ultimate goal is to function absolutely towards a perfect development you worry a great deal over all the details of the present treating them efficiently um basically it helps you not to transfer problems from the past to the future you need to feel that you are developing your potential in something dedicated to improving the environment and society as well 
um, Pisces opposite your part of fortune in Virgo will give you an understanding of general human needs as well as their effect on um, as well as their effect on the present and the direction of your energy flow. You can become efficient or as cold and calculating as a machine. For that reason, you sometimes look for emotions to prove that you're still capable of feeling. But you should not identify with the negative aspect of yourself because you could get lost in a sea of illusions that would take you away from your conscious sense of the present and your practical nature. Your practical nature is what helps you keep your center and overcome depressions without identifying with the emotional problems of others, which would cause a loss of your ability to function in the here and now. Your happiness is in what you are dealing with in each moment and in what you perceive with your senses. Although you can see the infinite and intangible through Pisces, you must um, find richness in the tangible in proper organization, care, and cleaning of the things of the world thus impersonally you infuse love into life and to the experience of the moment without limit you will come to understand the limitations of the human being as a perfecting path towards beauty and purity as well all right and then we're getting to your south node which is in capricorn south node Oh, my apologies. I'm yawning because I'm so tired. Um, okay, South Node is in Capricorn for you. South Node in Capricorn and North Node is going to be obviously in Cancer. This is because, like, both are opposites. Obviously, North and South are opposites. So, uh, yeah that's why it's like that now just reading into it a little bit the south node and capricorn individual has developed quite a thick skin over time and may be considered hard-headed and even rock-like in a particular area of life the individual instinctively knows how to build a solid foundation in the real world and this node represents the various qualities within the personality connected with rock such as reliability, coldness, and rigidity. Those with the South Node in Capricorn and North Node in Cancer may have devoted themselves totally to a career and have been compulsive workers. So in the past, these individuals might have been emotionally closed, inhibited, and success-oriented. So the South Node in Capricorn may also have been a sort of a status trip. The right social image is often a natural draw and social opinion and the values of others matter deeply they may be concerned with their place in society at large and society is merely representative of families being a good provider they have a well-developed take care of business attitude and will often be found in doing the sensible thing those with the north node in cancer now need to develop the ability to ask for help by letting go of the tendency to control so the north node in cancer is learning not to dismiss their innermost needs for a home base the cancer capricorn axis emphasizes security and a sense of solid foundations roots and feeling of being in touch with history 
The moon presides over the feminine principle, feelings, instincts, connection to the past, and this is exactly where this individual uh, needs to go. Cancer and Capricorn mark the highest ascent into the northern hemisphere, and it's lowest in the southern. So the sign Cancer corresponds to an instinctively childlike way. And the South Node in Capricorn is sometimes overly concerned with being a grown-up and tending to the professional and material need for security in the world. So those with the South Node in Capricorn in the past and a desire to manage others. Along with hidden feelings of dominance and self-importance, there may have also been a strong self-reliance and sense of responsibility. Um... The North Northern Cancer needs to develop more attunement towards their emotions and in the past, they may not have wanted the personal feelings to interfere with work and responsibilities. They need to become involved in family, local community, or nation. Finding somewhere to belong are key themes in life and may revolve around family and career. Access to the public life versus the inner life of the individual are important aspects. In this life, he will go through a chain of experiences which will slowly open their cancerian sensitivities, but they must develop a totally new emotional response pattern and their highest achievement in life is going to be nourishing others. The individual with a North Node in Cancer may be asked to further develop their caring, nurturing, and protective qualities through forming enduring connections to others and by being more responsive, relating personally and sensitively to the public. The Capricornian sense of discipline, sufficiency, and strength acts as an anchor for the needs of others. In this case, um... Uh, in this case of this opposition, the moon and Saturn are opposing forces, rulers of Cancer and Capricorn, respectively. So, uh, astrologically, Capricorn reflects reality, determination, and hardness, while Cancer represents softness, dependency, and feelings run very deep into the base of the personality. The family may be a powerful draw in this lifetime and the development of a home life. So those with the North Node in Cancer may be driven to a more nurturing career, bringing their skills of hard work, combined with sensitivity, nurturing, and living life on a soul level. So with that being said, that is your full chart reading. Now I can also email this to you, which I probably will to make it easier. But some other things you can look into, and I personally will look into, is um, the degrees that your planets are in. Because depending on the degree, for example, you know your Mars is in Virgo at 2 degrees. It's 2 degrees in Virgo. So that means that that could still be, that aspect of you could still be something that you're working on um, right now. And generally, the lowest degree will have the most effect on you. So, for example, your Saturn in Gemini is at zero degrees. So, obviously, it's going to have a large impact on you. It means you are still trying to master that aspect of yourself. Um, it's three degrees in Aquarius. So, you may still be trying to master something 
in that aspect of you but then we have your sun in virgo which is 20 degrees at 28 uh, 28 seconds i think it is um which is really cool it's 28 28 but that just means that you have uh you have mastery or you've almost mastered what you need to in that sense um which is really good but there's still a few other things that maybe you have to work on and then your moon in gemini is at 29 degrees at 42 Gemini goes or that position on the moon goes um so yes I would definitely start looking into your degrees as well there's a lot so I can't really look into all of them I want to go to uh your Lilith though because I don't think I looked up your Lilith for you Lilith and Capricorn. Um, Lilith is usually your dark side. So Lilith and Capricorn um, lets you hardly resist to these temptations of fame, status, and power. Lilith is not optimistic. Um, occur, she can only see their negative side. partnerships usually are resulting uh in this position you can tend to change your fellow beings and in addition to suppress their inner values completely you also look for autonomy but perhaps won't necessarily also grant it to others so here lilith is very ambitious material ambition and moral ambition uh, she wants to have all situations under control to exercise her power on people or on matters but she cannot the person must not stiffen must not be hard to please they have to accept what life is offering without becoming um, embittered because their desires are not satisfied so lilith is not optimistic and when rough periods occur they can only see their negative sides also she does not accept that she has to live in an emotional field and the desert's periods she has to go through. Uh, inner isolation is frequent as a person tends to attitude may also be one of punishment either to the others or to themselves 
and nervous breakdown may not be far either some people having lilith in their capricorn are tempted to resign themselves to the fact that nothing expected that nothing expected arises for them ambition is gone and they do believe to nothing um some of them choose suicide unfortunately a woman may completely dedicate herself to her motherhood and therefore be considered as a castrating mother by her child asceticism asked by life may be lived like a kind of death because a person may totally lose their ability to hope therefore the person has to stand back in order to see things in a different way also they tend to find themselves more powerful and superior than do other people but they can't express um, this aspect because the social or family context do not allow them Lilith is crazy is craving for absolute if absolute can't be reached they may destroy it and may also increase uh, you know materialism their material need and they may just stay materialistic so as Lilith and Capricorn permanently recharges her capacity to endure she may also increase her hard and inflexible behavior with others but on the other hand this helps Lilith to resist to trials cancer opposite capricorn asks to express the feelings that are buried deep inside feelings must find their true place and then the person will be able to exert authority on a more human mode cancer's water sign will also act as a capricornian unconsciousness in helping it to express emotions and therefore to easier control them in past lives um the soul might have been a powerful highly placed person who reigned imperiously over people she might have experimented uh with rigor austerity and deprivation she might have also known or inflicted hard rules frustrations around uh miserliness and greed or materiality was your concern you know they might also had to manage true problems bound to survey um to survey sorry in this life a person tends to be tends to internalize their thoughts over or favor reflection with sometimes and excessive self-control the person is brought back to the people's level as an ordinary man or woman and in order to better understand the others this lesson will help him to be a better ruler in the next life so if the lilith at the very beginning of capricorn it will be a great importance for the person to find as much as possible a way uh, corresponding to their ideals they may also be deprived of something they want to do and will have to adapt to what is arriving if lilith is at the very end of capricorn the person will have to discover to create and to be ready for a new unknown spiritual or physical horizons keywords instincts repression tendency to arrogance sterility snobbishness coldness silence permanence depression long trials isolation ambition widowhood frustration sadism deprivation and in a feminine natal chart Lilith is castrating and very authoritarian. 
so end of life often is hard to live for non-broad-minded persons all right so that was your lilith as well um i hope you enjoyed this reading um if you did you know uh definitely i guess let me know let me know if any of this resonated with you let me know if you do have any more questions there are a few more things you should look into like maybe try to find your stellium as well i do think that you have a lot of gemini qualities so i feel like you would take more after gemini um definitely also look up what a stellium is because i feel like I, i'm just getting into it myself it's the reason i don't want to explain it to you and be completely wrong but i just realized that as a gemini my stellium is actually in capricorn because i have a lot of capricornian qualities to me and so all that means is that i vibe more with capricornian qualities am i and i might come across as more of a capricorn than of a gemini at times um so for you because you do have a lot more gemini in your chart than you do like virgo you maybe might come across as more of a gemini instead than you do as a virgo um, which is not a bad thing it's just who you are so yeah definitely look up into that more but thank you so much for listening i'm sorry this took really long but um yeah hope you enjoyed and i will catch you guys in the next episode of the six minutes podcast bye